Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Rambold, back again. And uh, this is the House of Ephraim show. Do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope, are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope, is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in the show. It's Mark Reinbolt. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that 
and you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deggert. First the men, and then, uh, which is a little bit lengthier, uh, the women's, uh, and especially the position in which the Scriptures has to say, but probably more than that, it will be that which has been the custom of Israel. Now, to start out with, we have to really realize that the Christian uh, communities, when it comes to wearing any kind of a head covering, has run into some opposition. And, you know, it's, it's a real shame that, that Paul, known as Shaul in, in uh, Hebrew, uh, has been such a controversial figure when it has come to the things of God. But it seems like that because of some of the statements that, that Paul has made, it seems to have been that it has turned away or driven away a lot of people from believing or wanting to even to attempt to believe the things of God. Now, if you will turn with me in Corinthians, the, the 11th chapter, we're going to start out tonight by examining what he's got to, to say here. Uh, we'll look at just two verses, uh, chapter 11, 1 Corinthians. We'll do verse 4, and we'll do verse 11. Uh, verse 4 says, Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Now, that's, that's, that's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? That's, I'm sorry, it wasn't 11. The seventh verse says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. Now, why would Paul have said that? Why would he made the statement if, in fact, it was okay to cover your head? Well, we're going to attempt tonight, and as, as the research that I have gone through, which has been lengthy, I've, I've, I've added to this thing I don't know how many times, to find out what was going on there in Corinth. Corinth was a city that was greatly influenced by the Greek. And the Greeks brought, as they traveled in the known world, all the customs, seems that they took on all the different kind of customs around the known world and brought them back into places such as Corinth. Paul had established the church there, and there seemed to have been a problem with what he was doing. Now, we begin to find out that in 57 A.D., that the people there in Corinthian or Corinth, I'm sorry, they dressed like women and they veiled their faces. And much of what you probably would know if you've seen pictures of, of uh, the Muslim women in the, in the Far East. The men did that. Now, if you remember any of the old Arabian uh, uh, sword-buckling movies that you might have saw, Back years ago, they, they depicted th those men having themselves veiled. Most of the time, we thought it was because of the sand. Then I found out it was because the, 
the camel smells so bad, you know. I, I was obviously not told right in both cases, but, but the fact of it was that, that, that they had brought this custom back into, back into Corinth, and by bringing it back into Corinth, what they had, they had themselves in a position, bless God, of covering their heads and bailing their faces. All right? In other words, their, their covering would have come down like this and then across like this. Again, what you would, if you, if you have noticed any of the pictures, of especially the Muslim women, is the way that they, they, uh, they dress still today, for the most part, in that which they believe. Now, what Paul had in mind here, uh, the covering of the head, the veil, uh, uh, the fact that the whole head, and we're going to talk about this in a moment with the, with the gals, the belief is that the gals need to have their heads covered. Okay, now that, was, that, was, that has been and still is in the orthodoxy today. Of Judaism still believes that, even though in the orthodoxy is the only uh, sect of Judaism today that practices it any longer. But it doesn't mean that, but bless God, that it ended. It just means that customs of the time seems to have overridden us, that it's done many things of the things in which uh, uh, probably uh, God wanted to do. Now, uh, if we can turn in Deuteronomy 22, there's a verse there, uh, Deuteronomy 22, uh, 5. It says, The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abominations unto the Lord thy God. Now, somebody asked me one time, did did the women wear earrings? Yes, they did. So did the men. Did uh, they surely didn't wear rings in their noses? Yes, they did. The women did. And yet, at the same time, of course, <laughs> everything seems goes around, comes around. Uh, today, I think they're wearing earrings in places that uh, I'm certain that uh, wasn't meant to be worn. All right, <laughs> to say the least. go a bit overboard, but, but what was going on here and what Paul, back to what Paul was doing here was that, that he was not speaking, bless God, of, of, of the Kepas. Now, the, the Kepa is something that's relatively new into Judaism in comparison to all other things. And uh, in, um, let's see, what country was it? Uh, in Poland... They decided there that the orthodoxy, the, the, the church or the synagogue, the rabbis, decided that the men would wear yellow caps and the women would be, would be veiled. So all the Jewish, you knew, you could see them coming and block away. Everybody wore yellow caps if you were Jewish. So the covering of, of the head of man is not something, bless God, that was just happened and then was taken away and didn't happen. We're going to read here in a few minutes about Aaron and the priesthood, and we know that we are all priests of our home, right, men? I mean, we've, we've been through that enough that surely we, we can recognize that. Uh, it says that, that they always covered their heads, men did, 
during prayer and worship. And this, or, this, this came about sometime after the destruction of the Second Temple, which occurred in 70 A.D. The head covering which came into being at this time was designed similarly, turn page, to that which and it came in different t- styles and came in different designs, so there wasn't any one thing to do. Now, what, what we have, what we really have here with the Kepa is, as I said, is something that's relatively modern, if you will, today. But the key was to have the head covered. Now, anything of conservatives and the orthodoxy demands that you not go into their synagogue without the head covered. And, and the reason about that is just by that, that to reverence God, to show that you are in subjection to God, to show that, that God is above you and you below Him was what that was all about. I, I don't know, uh, some of you that have gone to Barbados with me, and, and I can't think, remember who it was, we went down to the old synagogue that's downtown, and the first thing they do is ha- hand you a kepa when you come in. And, and you wouldn't dare say you wouldn't take it and put it on because they, they won't let you come in, or at least they would restrain you from coming in. I don't know where they can absolutely, absolutely keep you out. It's not entirely clean, clear why or how the custom began. So in other words, it's not something that's written in the stone that Moses brought down from the mount. But it's possible that the Jews at this time were influenced by the Roman customs of the day. It was a belief of the Romans that the uncovered head of a man proclaimed freedom and human strength. It is, however, more likely the custom of covering the head, especially during prayer and worship, arose out of the reverence to God. And I don't doubt that, I don't doubt that that's not what the whole thing is about now. The, the covering proclaims that a man is subject to God who is above him. There's Scripture that supports the wearing of, of, the, of, of the head covering, and it absolutely uh, traces itself all the way back to Exodus 28. So go back to that. Exodus 28, the fourth verse. And these are the garments which shall make, you shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, and a robe, and a broad coat, a mitre, and a girdle. And they shall make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So there was, there, these garments were made. Now, if you look over into the 40th verse, same chapter, it says again, And for Aaron's sons thou shalt make coats, and thou shalt make for them girdles and bonnets, shalt thou make for them for glory and for beauty. Now, the bonnets is a head covering. So, again, the priests, uh, and there's some other places, some other scriptures that we're going to give you here uh, uh, in a bit to be able to also, that may give that a little bit uh, clearer picture of this. But the fact of it is, as priests or home men, if they weren't allowed to enter in without their heads being covered. Now, what do you suppose that was told? See, that was told to Moses to give to them. Now, let me, let me for just a second go back and reiterate here about why Moses' words seem to be so important. The writings of Moses today, the, the, the five books of Moses, the Tanakh, 
is still known today to be the least tampered with, and they believe that it's not been tampered with at all, Scripture that they have of God. They believe, as I believe and assume that you believe, that Moses was spoke to by God face to face and that God gave Moses the law, all 613 Mosfet or law, and Moses proclaimed this law unto all of Israel. And it's the same law in which they read and, and try to keep even today. Now, in light of these scriptures, it can be seen that Paul was not making a blanket statement about all head coverings. For by God's own command, Aaron and his sons were not to come before him to minister unless they were properly attired. We just read that. And part of the dress was the head covering, obviously. Paul, who was a rabbi, Paul, who was a Pharisee, he was versed in Scripture. And I want to go back again and, and repeat what I do time over and time over again about what it was that Peter said about Paul. He said, you have to be careful about this man Peter because he's a Pharisee and he is so learned of the Word of God that the normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill folks like you and I will not understand what he's saying. And I'll tell you, it's the truth. When you study what Paul was doing and understand what was going on with Paul, you back up and and, and, and that's what has taken Christianity. Now, now don't misunderstand. We, as within Christianity, have been veiled or blinded by the will of God, just as the Jews have been veiled or blinded. God is now lifting the veil. He's now lifting that veil. We're now beginning to be able to understand. That's, 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 that's the reason that in our hearts... There is such a, a willingness to learn, such, a, such an anxiousness to understand the things of the Hebrew way, of which we weren't taught. But Paul was definitely a problem in this thing. Because all of us that entered into Christianity, we were told because what Paul said about the head covering, what Paul had to say about this and about that did us away with, or had us to do away with all the things of the Old Testament. And again, that couldn't have been further from the truth. Because again, Scripture clearly shows that Paul was a strict observer of the law, and I want to go back through those three Scriptures again with you uh, in Acts 22.3. So turn to Acts 22. Third verse. I, I, I am verily a man which is a, am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, uh, which was a, a great, a great uh, priest, rabbi, sage actually, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, the perfect manner now, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. So now he was, he was brought up according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. All right? Then if you will look in 20 and 25, uh, 25, 8. That's 
while he answered for himself neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. Now that makes it very plain that what he's saying. He said, he said, I, he said, he said, I have not sinned against, against the law of the Jews, against the temple, against Caesar. He said, I'm not, I'm not offended in, in, in any of these things. Now, if he knew all the law and he knew it all, and he kept all the laws, so we've gone through and shown you that. So we realize again, why would Paul say, why would Paul say, men, you can't cover your head to pray when Paul himself covered his head to pray? Doesn't make sense, does it? So, well, something wrong with Paul? No, there's not anything wrong with Paul. We don't. Uh, we we uh, again through Christianity, we have not been taught deep enough to understand what was going on there. And now we can understand it simply by the, the, the vastness of all the information that can be gathered now from Judaism, we can begin to understand what was going on. The fact of it was, these Greek, they brought the Greek thing in, and they decided men would run around with their heads covered and, and their faces veiled like the women. They dressed like women. Paul was trying to put a stop to it, and he did put a stop to it. Acts twenty-eight seventeen. Then we'll get on to the we'll get on to the rest of it. Twenty-eight seventeen. And it came to pass that after three days Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people, now listen, or customs of our fathers. What does that mean? He's done nothing against the customs of the fathers, the law. Yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem under the hands of the Romans. Obviously, it's the first part of that that we want to pay attention to. He said, I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers. He committed nothing against the law. Nothing against the law. Now, the fact of it is, we find out that obviously then that, that he was speaking against all the, the head covering when he wrote his first letter to the Corinthians there at Corinth. The light of this understanding, a head covering, which is worn out of reverence to God, not out of bondage to the law or custom. And that's important to know. We here in America, back during the, the, the early parts of America, you always saw all the men wearing hats. You couldn't, my grandfather would not go anywhere without a hat. Would not go anywhere without a hat. Now, after that generation died off, then we began to wear the, the, the build caps, but they were still hats. Then, of course, we found a neat way to advertise all the things of the world on those hats, didn't we? A few of us got smart enough to put Jesus on ours and, and was ridiculed because we had that name on ours. But the fact of the matter is, we wore hats or we wore caps. Now, isn't it funny in Christianity, and this is, this is really kind of quaint in itself, somebody comes in and wears a hat in a church, what are they told? Take it off. Because that's what Paul said. And yet even Aaron and his sons were not permitted in the temple without them on. Now, the custom 
The custom of these th- of wearing this of wearing hats or caps or keppas, head coverings, again, isn't something that that we have to do. Now, they went as far as to believe. Now, especially when we get into this thing about the women, which we're going to do, and it's 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 much more lengthy with but the women, and it's much more complicated. But they even wore some of the nations that had Judaism within them, Russia, Poland, Finland. They wore a head covering, not a keppa, but a, usually it was a hat with a little old short bill on it about like that. Everywhere they went, when they came in the house, they had another type of a hat that they put on. If you ever watch Fiddler on the Roof, you notice what happens when he goes in the house. He, t- he takes a, he takes a, he puts on a different one. And it was something where how they believed that they believed strongly in keeping their heads covered even when they were at home. Now the thing with the gals is uh, presented and is just a little bit different. In biblical times, women covered their heads with veils and scarves, a sign of chastity and modesty. The unveiling of a woman's hair was considered a humiliation and a punishment. That's what it was considered. Now, I'm going to read one scripture here in Isaiah, the third chapter, if you'll turn there with me. Isaiah 3, and in the 17th verse, Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, the women, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. Now, that by that scripture, it has always been believed by the Jews that a woman with her head uncovered through the priesthood, through the rabbinical uh, 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 office or offices, that she had absolutely was the same as she had revealed her private parts of her body. It was an absolute no-no to ever be seen with your hair uncovered. It was a no-no. They felt like, and still do today in the orthodoxy, that it is, with a woman's hair being seen, is a draw to men. Her long, beautiful hair. And men seeing that. By the way, the reason that they didn't have problems back in those days with people lusting one for another, is because nobody saw one to the other. You didn't know what you were getting, guys. (laughs) I imagine there was a surprise, oh boy, (laughs) when it came down to it. You know what I'm saying? But the fact of it is, that was the law. Now, girls, until they were betrothed or married, were allowed to have their hair uncovered. Now, girls, that, that doesn't mean, you see, you know, you see some of these sects having 
these nettings. That, no, the hair has to be have, was covered. Again, if you look if you look at the Muslim dress of the women, you'll see how that they they put something here and it goes down under and around where their whole the whole all of their hair is covered. Their head and their hair is covered. But it was an absolute. It was an absolute. It was a, it was the worst thing that could happen to you as a woman to be brought into the presence of the priesthood and the priest take the covering of your hair head off and take it off. Now, the practice of covering heads in the presence of God at worship, the practice of becoming a sign of your love for God, a sign of piety within itself, was an absolute, and, and, they, and they just did that. That was something that was just done. It, it wasn't something that, that blessed God that was voted on. You didn't do that. If a woman was to show her arms, how many here has ever been, ever been not just attend, but ever been, uh, or how can I say this, has been a part of, for at least six months, what's called the holiness movement? Is anybody here? Well, they're right on the front row. This is good. I can talk to them then you know that in that movement we were not permitted, even the men were to have their arms covered. The women absolutely were to have their arms covered. All the way to the wrist, their arms were to be covered. Now, where we went, it wasn't wasn't that way. I think it was down here. But the reason for that, again, was, was to keep the men from lusting. Most of the problem we have here in the United States of America, or let's say the Western Hemisphere, is that there's not a whole lot left to wonder what it is. Right? There's just not a whole lot left. But there was a reason for this, and it was given by God, and the reason for it that was given by God was because He knows mankind. He created mankind. And He knew what was best for mankind. Now, some sources interpret the the custom as a sign of a woman's shame and feeling of guilt for Eve's sin for covering of their head. Should a woman walk bareheaded in the street, her husband could divorce her without repayment of her dowry. That's how serious it was. If she was to walk bareheaded in the streets, he could instantly divorce her her and give her a, a bill of divorcement. For the 16th century, praying with the head uncovered was considered to be a heathenistic custom, even as far up as the 16th century. So see, this went a long time. This wasn't something they just did one generation said, well, that's cute. We'll just go back and look at it like we're looking at things today and decide to do again. Now, girls, as I said, they didn't have to uh, until the wedding ceremony or they were told to cover their heads. Some rabbis compared the exposure of a married woman's hair to exposure of her private parts since they felt that a woman's hair could be the use for uh, erotic excitement, uh, which I got ahead of myself and said that before. They forbid the, the recital of any blessing in the presence of a bareheaded woman. Pious women even took care of not, not to uncover their hair in their houses. The general custom was to appear in public and in the presence of a strange man with hair covered. It gradually became accepted to be the general traditional custom for all Jewish women to cover their hair. 
And that custom has only been changed by the modernization of man. The rabbi's scripture teaches that it is sinful for a Jewish woman to be seen by any man other than her husband or to listen to the recital of prayers without her head covered. And as I said, in, in these times today, and only the strict, strict orthodoxy insists on women covering their hair at all, or at all times, I mean. It still remains, however, the practice for Jews to cover their head in, at prayer. It's study or religious observances. This practice isn't based on any law in the Bible or Talmud, but a first-time injunction, injunction of medieval Jewish codes. There are places in the United States where one of the chief uh, uh, distinctions between Reform and Orthodox Jews is the willingness or the unwillingness of the congregation to worship with covered heads. So you can see, at best, it's controversial, still is today, and it's still going to be after I get done tonight. All right? Does it mean that we're going to have to start covering our heads? No. It doesn't mean that you've got to start covering your heads at all. I'm just going to give you the facts. You do with the facts what you need to do with the facts. But wearing a covering on your head, girls, is not a keppa. It's not a doily. It is a covering. You remember when all the ladies wore bonnets when they went outside? Now I remember my grandmother. You probably remember your grandmothers, great-grandmothers wearing bonnets. They had their complete cover. Couldn't hardly see their faces. Well, we, you know, we always said, well, it was because of the sun. Well, it was. But it went further than that. It went way further than that. It was a head covering that they were to wear, and they wore them. You remember then when it got to the place where you couldn't hardly see see a woman around? Now, I don't know what years and what, you know, during what places of time, in the 30s, the 40s, uh, even maybe in the 50s where women wore handkerchiefs or, or silk hankies for, uh, for, for coverings on their heads. You saw a lot of that, didn't you? You see none of these things today, do you? Well, we're getting back to it, you understand. Just give us time. Give us time. We're going to get there. The custom, the custom of covering the bride's face with a veil so that she would not be seen even by her husband until after the wedding ceremony was felt to date back to Genesis twenty four sixty five. Now let's look at that. Genesis twenty four sixty five. Pass in the evening when he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her, and Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zephah the maid for a handmaiden. Now. Uh, and it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done to me? Did not I serve thee with thee, Rachel? Therefore, then hast thou beguiled me. Now, she was covered. The, the teaching of this is, it states that, that, that the reason he was fooled was because she was veiled. All right? This The, the wedding began in the veil, with the veiling of the bride in the home, was considered a symbol of obligation and chastity. As I mentioned earlier, among the causes of divorce, and a wife was walking in the street with her head uncovered. It's listed among, uh, among the law, and listed among the law in these cases, adultery, relations with her husband while uh, ministrating, exposure of her forearms, and 
frivolous conduct with other men. So it wasn't something that was taken lightly. I mean, that's pretty serious charges when you get thrown about adultery and, and those kind of things. Now, modern commentaries on, on this matter comes to the being a covering on the head is an outward sign of being in the place of subjection to God. Now, that's today what they say about it. In 1 Corinthians 11, turn back there, 1 Corinthians 11, and in the 10th verse, For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Uh, power on the head means covering on the head, okay? Now, this, the Greek for veil is a word that's called, that is called or said to be, ketak eluptia, which suggests a veil that hangs down. Now, Bible commentaries tells us the word for angels in the expression that we just read, because the angels, does not refer to elders as some has taught through the years, nor, nor it reveal, uh, refer to evil angels. It refers to good angels who are present to worship in worship meetings since they live in the presence of God. And when you, they're not veiled, guess what's not there? Okay? Or, or not covered, I mean. The angels aren't there. Now, let's go back and read that again. For this cause ought women to have power on their head because of the angels. Now, that's a commentary. Now, I'm not going to tell you that that's the gospel because I, that's not what we're doing here. But this is as close. There was, there's a lot of thoughts on this, that, that, that particular uh, verse. But this probably is the closest one that probably would, could even be considered. Some of them got ridiculous as I went down through them. But when you begin to realize that being that having the power on their head, in other words, the power of having their heads covered, was the power within that was bringing the presence of the angels of God during the worship service. The insubordination of a woman in refusing to acknowledge the authority of their husbands would offend angels who under God guard the created universe. We know that. In other words, your husband tells you to cover your head and you don't cover your head, well, then uh, that also is a consideration as to why that it won't work. God is concerned about the attitude of our heart, and one of the ways that has been evident in the mention of head coverings. It has obviously connected itself with many aspects of womanhood and has symbolized modesty and submission to one's husband and that you should remember the Lord your God. So it's, a, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a two-edged sword when it comes to that. Now, I think that, I think that through all of, all of that or all of this, when we begin to, to try to understand, well, should we or should we not? Should we or should we not? I, I can only talk about myself and the way that I feel about the way things have changed in my prayer life. In my time of being with God, I, I feel, I, I don't want to use the word naked without covering my head when I pray or am in the presence of God, but that's just about the way it is. That there is something about covering your head that somehow seems to be pleasing to me. 
Now, does that mean that, that that's some great supernatural revelation from God? No, I don't think so. I think that is something that's, that's probably inherited from generation to generation, if you want to know the, the truth. Does it, does it mean that, that, bless God, that we're all now in a place where we're going to now all again wear hats and cover our heads and do all these things? I, what I would adjure you to do is to pray about this thing and to understand. I do not believe that there's probably any reason that women should not uh, uh, cover their heads. In other words, I think there's every reason in the world to, for their heads, hair, heads to be covered. Now, again, that means your hair. That doesn't... That doesn't, that doesn't mean just something on top of here. It doesn't mean running around with a doily on top of your head. Now, some of the things that I have prayed about is, and I know what some of you are going to say, well, I wouldn't feel comfortable going to the grocery store like that. Well, let's not try to get you uncomfortable, okay? Because we're praying in here with our heads covered, most of us, then try when you come into the, into the sanctuary... Try then to put your head covering on. That's just a suggestion. If you want to come in here without one, nobody's going to run you off. Until I find out that the presence of the angels aren't here because of you. <laughs> but now listen, let me tell you something. I believe if you'll slip your, 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 your towels up over your heads, you'll find out that that's a covering too. And it pretty well has it covered. So I don't know that, I, you know, somebody, somebody's going to say, well... If I wear that, is that the covering? Yeah, I believe it is the covering. For those of you that don't have talents and want to cover your head and you want to try the other thing. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Covering your head is not... Now, now do you want to go back to where... Do you want to know something of, of the people that most Pentecostals have put down the hardest were the people that probably kept more of the custom than anybody else was the Roman Catholic Church? And they were. And they still are. They kept hold of some of these things. The lighting of the candles. The things that, you know, the, the Pope, the, he wears a head covering. And, the, and so do the bishops. The women, the Catholic, you know, women in churches, I don't know how, now whether today, maybe it's, it's gone, but it wasn't very many years ago that, that I know that you would, they would go in and they would cover their heads when they, when they were in prayer or service. Worship service, it even says, during worship time with the Lord. So maybe we're learning something here. Maybe, and, and really that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to take a step at a time. We're not trying to take mother may I great big steps. We're just trying to take small steps and trying to move closer and closer back into the realm of where this thing worked properly. And if we can move into this thing where it moved properly and if it worked for them, again, I see no reason that it cannot work for us. So, uh, so men realize something. The reason that the Jews wear the kippahs is to identify themselves as Jews. A head covering is a head covering. A baseball hat's a covering. Okay? Uh, Indiana Jones hat is a covering. Okay? It's a covering. So, so just just begin to, to pray about that and begin to begin to seek God about that and, and and see see what God's dealing with your heart about because again that's what we're doing here we're dealing with your hearts we're not we're not up here trying to say this is the way it is nobody comes through the door if you don't you know we're not doing that we haven't done that some of you don't have 
pallets and cappers. And I don't think, I hope no one's come up to you and said, look, how come you don't have one? I'm going to tell you something. This is a heart work. And if your heart's not in it, you couldn't get blessed if you bought a dozen of them. Okay? It doesn't work that way. But what works is to begin to understand something. i got news for you. If this thing was good enough for them, why isn't it good enough for us? You say, oh, golly gee, because that was back then and, and this is the modern world. Yes, it is, but I'm going to tell you something. Those laws are still prevalent for today's world as it was for then. That's the neat thing about God, isn't it? He brought forth laws that never did get old. Still haven't gotten old. And we'll never get old. And when Jesus comes back, he will implement the law. Isn't that neat? Well, that's all I want to do this evening because I, don't want, I didn't want things to be so long because we've got some decoration and things to do. But what I do want to do, though, is I want you to, to take this and, like I said, to meditate on it, decide and make yourself an agreement. And listen, you may decide, well, I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to get into this right now, and, and you may get in it six months later or a year later or, or next week or whatever. Just move as God's dealing with you. Don't, don't, don't get doing it because the guy next to you is doing it. Just do it as God deals with you. But know something. God blesses obedience. And that is the thing that we must... You know, the thing, the thing that the old prophet Samuel wrote is still today as true as it was then. Obedience is still better than sacrifice. So we want to get obedient to God. Amen? Hey, thank you so much, Prophet Deckard. Again, you can get a hold of us at the website www.jewishprophet.com and you can find out, again, all this material that you're hearing taught every day, every week. Folks, you want to get out there and start taking a look at that and start ordering that material because you need to get a hold of that and start to apply that into your life so that it will change your life. You know what? You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com and we'll be praying for your prayer requests. Shalom until tomorrow. And remember, with God, all things are possible.